Hi, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. Whether you're watching a video or listening to a podcast, please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released. Links to videos or MP3 files can be found on MiamiGhostChronicles.com or go to MarlenePardo.com for information on new book releases. I narrate several podcast series that can be found on major podcast platforms and can also be listened to via Alexa, Sonos, and other home systems. Look for Supernatural Storytime for scary storytelling, Nightshade Diary for classic horror and adventure stories, Stories of the Supernatural for interviews with different guests on the show. If you want to get noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime, conspiracy stories, and anything that is just plain weird, you can visit Stranger Than Fiction Stories tab at MiamiGhostChronicles.com or find us on Blogspot. I want to thank you for being part of my audience, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi, everybody. This is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicle Stories of the Supernatural. How's everybody doing today? Good, I hope. I'm doing good. Um, I have a, a, a returning guest. And uh, like I said before, I'm, I'm back, back in 2021, 2021, after, you know, it's, everybody's already heard me uh, cry a lot about my movie experience, <laughs> which I'm still undergoing. Um, and for those of you I know who asked the last time, and my only decoration is Scooby-Doo. Yes, Scooby-Doo. Eventually, I'll get something up here. But yes, Scooby and me were hanging out because, of course, and like I've said before, if you're into the paranormal, you must you must love Scooby, or at least once upon a time, you watch Scooby-Doo and the gang. But anyway, uh, everything is well over here. And like, like Florida weather, and I think in other places now, we were going through a, a really cold kind of winter here in North Florida, but today it went up to 87, and we're like, huh? which is why I'm dressed like this versus a sweater. And, but then next week we looked and it's going to be dipped down again. But hey, <laughs> why not? It's 2021 after 2020. Anything is possible. But anyway, let me get to the good part. The good part is who I have as a guest. And this is somebody, like I said, who's been here before. And she's so interesting. Her name is Twee Slider. And she is an author, a speaker, photographer. She has a YouTube show, which later on she's going to tell us a little bit more about and how we can find it. And she's a musician who researches, creates videos, and writes about historic cemeteries. I love it. Tombstone symbolism, offbeat travel, weird history, haunted history, and spooky travel destinations. Uh, this is, you know, this is every, every uh, as, as a matter of fact, all of the above. I'm into all of the above, but anyway, how are you doing today, Twee? I'm doing great. Trying to get my cat to get situated. She hasn't no. quite figured out, you know, this is the, the time of day where she really perks up for a while and decides to go run around and <laughs> be frisky. But I am doing great. Thanks so much for having me back, Marlene. On the contrary, it's my pleasure. It is great to to see you again. And um, like, <laughs> I can't get over your little cat in the background that was hitting up on the on that little. It's like you probably yeah. have a bowl for her of nice clean water, but she wants to go for 
Yes, the fish aquarium tank, water. The, the mini aquarium. We have a little aquarium that uh, is just sort of like a hospital tank. If a fish looks like it's not feeling well, I'll put it in there with a little salt, mm -hmm. you know. Or but I grow plants there and then transplant them. And then we have a, a much larger tank there, which we're. Um, oh, there she is. She's she's up here now. <laughs> she's, That's so apparently cute. Apparently, she, she's decided to join us, so she will be chiming in in her own little way. That is, <laughs> I can't get over that. I think that is so cute. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm, when it comes to animals, I'm such a pushover. Yes. But so the last time we spoke, I want to say, I think you had just brought out Grave Goods. You had just come out with another book. And it looks like you've done a couple more, right? Yeah, I think I, I think we talked about, I got all my, a bunch of my books here. Anyway. Um, mm -hmm. Understanding Cemetery Symbols was the one. Um, and then since that last year, I came out with uh, Grave Goods, which even though this is a paperback, I just got it as a proof to see. Um, I, I tried to see if I, what it would be like if I had color photos, but it makes it really expensive. So I'm, I'm yes, working, I'm working gosh, I know I really, so I'm trying to find that happy medium where like people will be able to afford the book, but they would still look nice. Um, and, but the, so I did that book and it's, it's, I just really wanted to focus on people ask me so often what it means when people leave different things at grave sites. So that's what that book is all about. And then this one was super fun. This one um, is six feet under Texas. And it's, right. a bunch of, it's like a travel guide, but it tells you the stories, the strange but true stories behind all sorts of different graves here in the Lone Star States. I, I think it would really? be fun to, to do a series of other places too, but I did a bunch of them. There were some graves I couldn't visit because of COVID, so like maybe if I do okay. a sequel or something. But I mean, there's a lot of interesting um yeah, you know, there's a, a, a cemetery here in Texas that has two oil wells, for instance. Uh, there isn't that crazy? I mean, that just like so Texan. It, it builds itself. At, yeah. So this one's been a blast, and this one's available both in. Um, they're all my stuffs on Amazon, or if you okay, wanna, if you don't want to know. But, yeah. But anyway, so that one's that one was a lot of fun. Um, like a, an oil man who had a phone line for three days installed in his you know mausoleum after he died, just in case you know. Oh, one of those. Phone. Like yeah, like just in case. Like please, what you know? And yeah. and, and, and and it's incredible because I remember that last conversation we had. There's. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody knows, yeah, there's certain symbolism, but there's so much more, yeah, especially that when they were really big into their memorials. Oh, yes. Yeah, that was, you know, much, I mean, 100 years ago or so, if you had a little bit of money and you were still maybe in your 20s and 30s even, if you came, you would, like today, someone in their 20s isn't going to go, you know what I'm going to do? I just got a, a bonus at work. I'm going to, I'm going to commission a really fancy headstone for myself. Not too many people do that, but like a hundred years ago, people were thinking ahead, like what will be my legacy? What can I leave behind? Uh, the, just that was such an important, um, they valued that so much. That was considered, Okay. You know, it was just a, such a different, it's just a different mindset. I, 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 that's one thing I love about historic uh, research is just trying to figure out the mindset of the day and how that, because some of it is so strange. Some of it is just so macabre. Like, well, for example, I, I, I talk about, I have a couple cases in here, and I talk about it a lot, where let's say, you know, nowadays, if I uh, hopped in my car and I went to a town 20 minutes away from me, and right. I just I just suddenly died, or I, you know, I got hit by a Mack truck or something, and okay. people would pick up my phone or and look at my wallet, and they would instantly know, hey, this is Tui Snyder. Oh, okay. Yes. But... Like a hundred years ago, people would die. I've got a case of a, somebody like in 1913 or something. Uh, they fell off a freight train, a hobo, 
and no one could identify him. Yeah. He bled out before they could even get his name. So what do they do? They put a whole bunch of embalming fluid in him and then set him in a window downtown so people walking by. So to us now, we're like, that is so freaky. Why would they do that? But that is not an isolated case. I come across that a lot because what are you going to do? You just got to hope that, well, maybe someone will walk by and go, oh, I I know him. And they'll come in and go, hey, that's Joe or something. So those are the kind of things that I really love about uh, Well, you know what? It's, it's, um, I've read a couple of stories where, I've seen um, that sometimes if they had, like you said, like that unknown person mm-hmm. that the uh, undertakers or whoever was doing would almost drum up money either for the burial or something, but by, by, sh- by showing the person, it was like a double, see if we, do you know who this person is? Oh, and by the way, you know, people of course are so morbid that they would be like, they would pay to, you know, very little, but they would just to see the body, you know, especially if there was oh. any notoriety. Yeah, like so they, Bonnie and Clyde. They, Bonnie and Clyde wow, was, or there was a stampede. Yeah, or even people sometimes that was like a murder, you know, like and they they would come and look and you know, the undertaker would kind of make money and at the same time hopefully somebody would say, "Hey, I know who that person is." Because like you said, it's not like now that everybody carries around an ID with them. Yeah, it is. It's just it brings it home like, oh, things really have changed. Wow. <laughs> yes. And um, and like you said, it's, uh, it's incredible that, you know, because we're so used to being found. Any, you know, if but back then, unless you really truly had people, you, if you died in an area, even the next town over. And people didn't know who you were, they would you would end up getting buried in that pauper's grave or in the potter's field. Like, Hey, you know, yeah. Wait for and, and that's it. And, but on, conversely, you know, people could just, uh, that's why like, there's so many graves of like an alleged, alleged Jesse James or alleged, oh, one, yes. because you could in those days, you could move to a new town and just say, you know, I could just go, I'm not Tui Snyder. I'm, you know, Charlotte yes. Walk- Walker. I could make up a whole name for myself yeah. and move to town and everybody would be like, oh, okay, Charlotte. And they would just take them. You could assume a new identity. It must've been a heyday mm-hmm. in a way for con men and people oh, to yeah. do. But um, one of the uh, stories in my book too, that was really interesting. It was another unidentified. I was really excited about. There was a, get this, there was um, over in Corsicana, Texas, there was a, in the 1880s, there was a one-legged tightrope walker. I mean, just for starters, it's like wrap your head around like. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm just, no, I, I'm just thinking about that. I know. Wrap your head around that. Now it gets better. So he was a traveling salesman. Okay. And he came to town and to drum up, he was selling wood stoves, which are, right. you know, cat, they're iron stoves, right? So they're heavy. Right. So get this. He uh-huh. showed up. He just breezed into town. He strung a, a rope between the two tallest buildings in downtown. Okay. He, he strapped a stove on the back of his, on his back. Uh-huh. And then walked across that tightrope. Now he had a peg leg, right? And his little right. peg, he had a special groove in his peg to slide along the rope. That's but I mean, incredible. what a nail biter to be looking up and seeing this guy. I can like, imagine it'd be like. <laughs> and it didn't end well for him. He fell. What happened? No, no surprise there. 
Well, there was a huge crowd in town. Everyone was like, wow, right. man, take a look at this guy. And it was, you know, he right. did this from town to town. And people, And then hopefully they'd buy stoves from him. Right. It was a weird connection. But, you know, he had the skill. Well, he fell. And <laughs> he was very badly damaged. And they took him to a nearby hotel. They, and before he died, the only thing he managed to tell them was that he was Jewish. And so... <laughs> But they never got his name. And because so back then they didn't believe in safety nets, huh? <laughs> no. And so uh, so there is a, um, a, a a marker that just says Rope Walker on it and the date. I mean, they, That's incredible. But what's neat is I actually discovered his identity. You did? Yeah, and I was so excited. How um, did you do that? Well, I, th I thought... How many one like a tightrope walkers can there be? And okay. I, I just started scouring um, newspaper archives online, which is one okay. of the great things about doing research these days. Oh yes, yes. Because you can, I can actually, I spend way too much time in newspaper archives because I get distracted by all the cool. Oh things. yeah, there's a lot of you, you, some of the stuff you find. You're like, wow, those were I the have, good old days, huh? All right. Oh, I know. I have a whole file of just what on earth is going on you know yeah, yeah. and then and then i like looking at how cheap everything was like oh i could buy that dress for two dollars <laughs> yeah that's all the things that's like <laughs> castor <laughs> oil five cents is like okay. oh and the, the things that yeah i love all the old advertisements i read a lot yeah. of those because they just tell you what people were thinking about but yeah so i, I looked up and i found a one-legged tightrope walker who um and and i found out that he 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 had fallen another time. <laughs> oh that, what he, but how he lost his leg um, through all this, I, I pieced it together. I mean, one, okay. little, um, one little thing led me to a clue that I, I, you know, and then I traced him until I figured out this is the guy and I figured out his name. But um, he, um, he lost, he was fighting for the Union Army in the Civil War and a cannonball blew off oh. one of his legs. And so there, there is, um, that's, he's listed, you know, under the name Berg. And, mm -hmm. and then, and he had been, a, but before that he had been a, and then they mentioned there was an article about him um, after the war saying he had been a professional gymnast, but now he was okay. a, tight, now he was a tightrope walker. And oh. yeah, but it's just really fascinating. I was like, wow. Because I was trying to figure out how did this guy decide he was going to be a tightrope walker of all things? He was already, well, I guess it was kind of like, well, yeah. I can't do gymnastics anymore. But he was known as being like a really a, a great gym, yes. gymnast over in Europe somewhere. And then he came to America. Right. And then he, you know, fought in the Civil War. And then there was some, um, I guess he was a real, real flamboyant, real charismatic guy. Like I, when he was in the hospital, the time, the first time he fell, I think it was in Cincinnati. That's where I really started putting pieces together. They were like, he, okay. he's a real storyteller, this guy. And um, and so he just, then I found out anyway, so it went from there. That is, I, I'm fascinated with this because I understand exactly what you mean. And, um, I, and, and you know what, and it, and it shows back then people made a living any way they could, mm -hmm. you know, like in other words, he lost a leg in the civil war and it was like, okay, so what am I good at? I was a gymnast. I'm missing a leg. Okay. Well, let's figure this out. And how high up would he, did it, does it say how high up he would be on that rope? I think 20 or 30 feet at least. I <gasps> oh mean, it's not, my God. you know. That, no, but that's, that's pretty bad when you take a fall. It's not, it was not good. And yeah, the first time he fell, he broke both wrists. I mean, it wasn't a good thing. And he lost an eye, I think, the first time. Oh I'm my trying God. to remember, I'm trying to remember, I was like, wow, this guy just did not give up. I mean, I thought that 
maybe this was his only fall, but he'd fallen before. That is, you know what? That's that's like I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one in here because of weird stuff. And it, I'm doing a research on a book I'm writing, which is oh, number two of a uh, film noir murders. But anyway, what is and, it? And, and I, it's it's a film noir murders. Oh yeah, stuff yeah, like that's that. good. Mm -hmm. So one of the I looked at this and it was like, you know what? These were like the good old days when you really you like you said you could probably go to the next town over and just become another person I and nobody it. would think twice about it. People did it. So this is out <laughs> in San Bernardino in California, by the way, in the 1940s. Oh, all right. Okay, there's a couple. They live out there. He's 15 years older than her. They have oh. seven kids. Seven kids. Okay. Mm -hmm. And one day the wife disappears. Uh oh. The husband goes to the sheriff and says, hey, my wife, I can't find her. The sheriff. And this was the this was the time, you know, the, of course, the area. These were like little towns, like citrus towns and stuff like that. Farming oh, yeah. town, you know, where everybody knows everybody and the sheriff oh, sure. knows everybody. So the sheriff takes the missing person report and they can't find this lady. She doesn't come up anywhere. They can't find her. No word of her. Nothing. Uh, that was like in. I want to say like May, then the following September, uh, some hunters are out there hunting doves uh -oh. and they find skeletal remains under what they call a squab bush. It's, it's out in the desert. So I imagine it's some type of scrub yeah, bush or something. Yeah, a real scrubby, tumbly weed yeah. yeah. They find the skeletal remains of a woman with mm -hmm. brown hair, beautiful brown hair. Mm. And she was naked and like in a fetal position and they had draped a coat over her. Wow. But like you said, no identification. There yeah. was no, there was no ID, no purse, no nothing. So this sheriff, he immediately thinks, oh my God, I think I found this guy's wife. Yeah. All right. So they're like, hmm. And they, it, it doesn't, they can't. Find, and of course, when the schedule remains, they can't find the cause of death. Yeah. Right. Like right away. They were like, they weren't sure. So anyway, the, he brings the, the, the schedule remains back, contacts this guy and says, look, I you want to come and look. I don't know if this is your wife or not. And uh, so the guy goes over there with his two in-laws. In other words, oh. the parents of this lady. Yeah. Oh man. They come and they look. And they say, well, she had that, that dark brown hair is like hers. And they ID'd. Oh, and by the way, and oh, and um, the only clothing per se, which really wasn't clothing, was a pair of those wedgie shoes that they used to wear back in the 40s, 1940s. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So the, the husband and her parents both ID the coat that she's got draped over her. Oh, okay. And the shoe and the coat and the and and that her hair. Mm -hmm. And the the sheriff says, you know, and we think that this was around the time she disappeared because they said in June there was a like a brush fire that went through the area and the coat was singed. So they're thinking oh. she had to have been there prior to this fire in June yeah. and she disappeared in May. So and they, they said their teeth kind of look like hers. But of course, OK, make a long story short. They bury her. They bury her as the missing woman. Yeah. And her seven kids are distraught. Her. Her parents are like totally like upset about this because they're sure. like, you know, and so they start uh, looking around and they come up with this. Um, they talk to one of the kids and apparently this lady was kind of like she was uh, having these uh, 
little affairs. She would oh. like go <laughs> off and drink and everything. One of her kids, which by the way, they were ages from two to 12, oh. tells the police, I heard my mom was going to meet a guy. His name was Lee Webb, but they called him Blackie. She said she was going to meet him in town. So the police are like, huh? Okay. So they go pick Blackie up and come and talk to, hey. So this man, he's a, a young guy. He's like in 21 or 22. She was in her 30s. He admits that he kills her. They're like, and he says how he, um, that she had spent a couple of nights with him. Wow. And that the second night she had gotten upset at him because he was drinking and he punched her in the stomach really hard. Bottom line that he, then he realizes he killed her because he says he puts his, tries to get a heartbeat. There's no heartbeat. Mm -hmm. So he's thinking I killed this lady. And oh, so he, wow. he takes her out to this little area out there because I guess these little towns and then you would have these stretches of by the desert and San Bernardino were like yeah. drops her off there, drapes the coat. So here, you know, the sheriff says, okay, we got our killer. Uh, here we go. Yeah. So in the middle of this, uh, they're about to take him in for like to get a rain. He confesses. He confessed. I killed you. I killed her. I know who she is. Blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden her parents get a letter from her <laughs> from a nearby town saying, um, you know, I, 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 I don't want, I heard about, what's happening. And I don't want my children to suffer thinking that I'm dead. Wow. Please uh, let them know. Um, by the way, she, at this point, she didn't really know that they were holding somebody for the murder. All Ooh. she was thinking is that they, ha they had thought she was dead. So she said she felt sorry for her kids. So she, that's why she sends this letter Jeez. to her parents. Right. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, and so her parents, <laughs> they uh, tell the police, and she says, she kind of tells them, send me a letter back, like to the post office. Yeah. What they call general post. Oh, yeah, yeah. General delivery or whatever. General delivery. Back then you could do stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Send it back to the post office. So they catch her. The police wait for her at the post office in this little town called Lancaster where she was at. Oh, yeah, Lancaster. <laughs> so they pick her up and they bring her right back. And they're like, and um, all of a sudden they, 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 they bring her to where the guy's at. And he, they tell, do you know this one? She goes, oh, yeah. And they're because they're trying to figure out why would you confess to killing a woman that obviously is very much alive, right? And he goes, yeah, she spent a couple of nights with me, but she tells him on the second night, he told me I had to get out of there because he found out that my husband was looking for me. So he tells her, hey, man, get out of here. So in the meantime, between May and September, she had gone off. Like Sure enough, she spends to, she goes to, some place close by meets a man check this out and they fall in love and they go off to yuma arizona and get married the only thing is she forgets to tell him she's married and has seven children oh my gosh <laughs> so she's now a bigamist and but what about the she's guy? Big... did he kill anybody the one who confessed well so and then everybody's thinking why would this man do this uh -huh. so later on it turns out that in may or april uh, apparently him and a friend of his, uh, because these guys were like, you could tell they were always getting in trouble, like passing bad checks and they would, you know, end up, you know, stolen goods. Apparently there had been a big party, not a big party, but a party where basically everybody just got there together to drink. And there was another guy, he was like a cowboy and, uh, he was originally from Oklahoma. I can't remember what his name was right this second. It'll come to me. Bottom line, they 
interview a waitress. Again, this is because these are the towns where everybody knows everybody. And she had been there. And she says that there's a lady that shows up. And she describes her and she says they, they would call her babe. It, like, in other words, she didn't hear her real name. And this lady's telling the other guy, the cowboy, like she was, she, that she was pregnant and that he was the father of the child. Oh. Okay. Now, according to the waitress, she says that they both like beat up on her oh. and killed her. Basically, that's what it sounds like. And that somebody called the ambulance, but they left. They, they took her, they put her in the car and they left and then they come back and she was gone. Wow. And that they told her, hey, if you say anything, you're... You're we'll next. get, we'll take, right. Yeah. And the cowboy says, that's not true. I ne right. That never happened. Oh. And the other guy's saying, well, that, you know, bottom line, nobody ever, ever goes to trial for this. Wow. And nobody ever found out who she was. And it sounds almost, I want to say that it was kind of true because that original story that the other guy gave about, him having punched the, the supposed lady in the stomach. It almost sounds exactly like what the, the waitress that was at that, you know, alcohol party yeah. described. It sounds like there's a lot, so much booze involved that these people. Well, and it was really funny faster. because the sheriff says, because everybody was like, well, sheriff. And he goes, well, this waitress is telling me the story, but she's not a good witness because she was saying how drunk she was that she couldn't remember half the stuff. I can't yeah. the, like the prosecutor. In other words, for the town mm -hmm. says she's not a good witness. I can't, you know, arrest this guy just based on her say so. Long story short, the mystery as to who she was and much less really truly who killed her, nothing came of it. Coming back to what you said, that there was once upon a time where people, you never found out who they were. Mm -hmm. and, and apparently nobody ever came forward to say, hey, my wife is missing, my sister, my daughter, my whatever. I can't have a seen her since April. We've gotten a lot more organized when it comes to uh, yes. uh, really finding out what happened. I mean, obviously DNA, but even before DNA, just procedures, yes. uh, detective procedures. And I, in, mm -hmm. in my book, again, I have, I talk about the uh, Amber Alert, the little girl who is the origin. Yes. Amber yes. Hagerman, she, um, I show you how you can get to her grave and the whole sad story behind that. But mm -hmm. I mean, she was, I remember last time we were on, um, one of the things we talked about, I talked about how when I was nine years old, um, this creepy guy oh, tried my to, God. to, to kill at me and my friend uh, yes i've and never I, forgotten that ever yeah, and i got away my friend and i got away because we could run through the tombstones we knew where to run and he was tripping over stuff i mean he was bigger and could have caught us otherwise and amber hagerman she was nine years old when someone just grabbed her people saw her get pulled into a black pickup truck now mm -hmm. this is texas a black pickup truck is just like saying a car. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. Like, yeah, wow. So that yes. was not much of a lead. But I, it really got me because she was a Girl Scout. I was at a Girl Scout meeting when this uh, the guy tried to kidnap us. I, they had canceled it and we didn't know. Um, yes. She, you know, when I was reading about her and looking at her pictures and everything, I just, I was like, why is this getting to me so much? And I was like, oh, it's because I'm like, man, I got away. Amber did not, you know, and you. just to think of that. So anyway, that, that story. And then I was, one of my friends who goes to a lot of cemeteries and we trade a lot of cemetery photos back and forth because mm -hmm. he, he works for, he travels for work. And so he goes all over the world and takes also anywhere he is, he takes great photos of them. And he, uh, maybe early, maybe 2008 or nine. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but you know, I mean, Amber died in the nineties and 
it was right. a good it was a good 10 years after her death he went to see her grave and uh as he was there uh, he was pulled aside by some cops and they questioned him the case was still serious? open they actually keep an eye oh on you know what they were still thinking... keeping an eye yeah this is like a good 10 years after the crime and they were still that kind of made me happy i mean sad they never did find her a killer yes. but um you know, and, and anyway, but I thought that was interesting that, wow, I mean, he's he's a white male. He showed up. Why is he at her grave? You know, do you know her? What's this all about? And he goes, oh, I'm a, I really enjoy cemetery history and everything. And they, you know, looked at his ID and everything, right. and everything was square. And But I thought that is kind of cool in a way that they still are trying to find it. Well, because I, you know, that theory about, you know, that they, that almost like a, I don't want to say a trophy, but in a way they want to revisit. Yeah. Um, that person or that, mm -hmm. in this case, a child. But I remember the whole thing was that if they had had some type of way of alerting the public. Yeah, they could have got, if they could have gotten out because she was dead within 48 hours and they're like, if we right. could have, if we could, and she, she was only like a mile away, if we could have really spread yes. the word sooner. And so what they did was they used her name, they call it a backronym, which I thought was neat. It's not just an acronym. They took, okay. her name was already Amber, but they made it fit like America's Missing Broadcast Emergency Oh, okay, response. I see what you mean. So so they made it, it means that. And so it's called a backronym. So I thought that, that was kind so of interesting. interesting. Yeah. That, mm -hmm. But I you know what? That that thing that you said that the police were still like, like they're, they're still like paying attention Oh, the whole town, I mean, it, even though it wasn't as small as those towns you were just talking about, mm -hmm. and this was later on, it was still kind of a close-knit community, Arlington, and her grandparents' front yard was just flooded with, like, teddy bears and balloons. People were even, you know, while, while they were still looking for her, uh, the whole community just, you know, but, the, but they didn't get the organized response out soon enough. I mean, maybe things could have gone differently. I mean, the, the most positive spin on it, I guess, is that now they have that kind of alert in place and that now they are more coordinated. Because we look at the 40s, you know, where you were talking about the 40s and yeah. what I meant, how hard it must have been to be in law enforcement and how many people oh, were no. wrongfully convicted and things like that. It's or just... people that they were never found. I mean, when this guy went and said, my wife mm -hmm. disappeared, yeah. I was thinking, okay, you know, nowadays, you know, when your wife disappears, the first one they look at is the boyfriend or the husband. Yeah. The the sheriff didn't, he just took the report and he never like investigated this guy like, hey, did you do away with your wife? You know what? I think we've all seen so many crime shows at this point. Yeah, I know. That we I all know. would be better if we could travel back in time. We could like be talking to, well, I haven't thought of that little lady. We'd be like, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Sheriff Miller, it's quite often the husband who did, what? No, you don't say. No, I, mean, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm making him sound Right, like right, because I, you, I don't you wanna, always I, think. I know these people had a hard job and like, I, I not, I don't want to belittle law no, enforcement. No, I'm but... just saying that we have learned a lot and thank goodness. Well, what happened was, and I want to, you know, what really happened was this, um, you know, like I said, this lady was discovered in September and October and into December. This thing was rolling along where this sheriff is trying to figure out, okay, you confessed, but that wasn't, and that was another thing. When this guy says, hey, that cowboy was the one, I didn't have anything to do with it. This lady was saying that the baby was his and he's the one, and he made me go with him to put this body out in the desert. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
the 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 sheriff is saying and the prosecutor is saying you know his credibility is not that good he confessed to killing a woman that was already alive that was still alive so his credibility as a witness is gone but anyway this rolls into the and it just so happened that in that same um that i included it they found a woman's body right in san bernardino minus head the head and the hands and again that was to avoid identification because remember back then the, the you know they could ID you maybe with your teeth if you had any dental work or yes. your thumb your prints. Oh, that's true. By then they would have had some fingerprinting. That was yeah. I was you know well of, from what I understand that if, if you, you if worked, you had been fingerprinted if you never had been then. Well, this is the from what I understand during World War II if you worked at any of the factories or the plants, oh, okay. you would be fingerprinted. And right. they would find a lot of people. And out there, there was an army depot, something. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, back then, they, they were hoping that somehow they would yeah. run across the fingerprints. It was, but, but they found this body, like, January 2nd of this headless, handless lady. Mm. And that derailed totally the investigation into who was the lady that was found back in September. Like, the, 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 the sheriff was like, okay, now... What? Now, yeah, this was like, this was very gruesome and same thing. And that took off. But like everything nowadays, you know, when the case goes cold, like, uh, which is part of what they say with the Amber Alert, the sooner that they can get to the victim, the more chances that the victim's going to be alive and yeah. that they're going to catch the perpetrator. Same thing yeah. happened. Uh, the more time went by, you know, the more muddy it became. And, you know, yeah. and then another case comes in. And that's it. There's they only have so much manpower, and basically that's why it ended up being like, you know, uh, a, a Jane Doe kind of deal. But um, and the and I know we spoke about this. That um, I know now when you go to modern cemeteries, most of them are very low key as far as memorials. But yeah. back then, people you had almost like a reputation if you had a little bit of money like the family uh remembrance as far as the like the family name you know they had these beautiful mausoleums sometimes that they would oh, make yeah well there's a big change after the great depression because uh people had to before that people didn't really travel too much they would have stayed pretty much lived and died in pretty much the same little general area and right. so taking care of your local cemetery would have been an annual spring event roughly you know when the flowers are blooming and even mm -hmm. here in texas there still are some country burial grounds around here where they will have an annual decoration day okay. they'll even have a sign posted like third saturday in june yes they still have they're still and they have them some of but in the old days this was a real big deal they would if it was there was a church nearby i've read some accounts they take the pews out of the church um they would they would bring picnics they would be singing there would be a big thing you know it'd be a big social event and also uh, uh, going to a cemetery just throughout the year was considered you know kind of a, yeah. like a fun outing and also a way to show off because humans like to show off so there are um, you know people would buy you know they kind of the way people do with their yards 
today. Right. Like people, some people really show off with flashy plants and yeah, that get the off yard. my lawn thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. They, they, everyone has their own personality there. In fact, yes. some of the older uh, fancy cemeteries would actually give you if you bought a family plot, they would give you. I've seen some of these catalogs. They would give you that were tell you things you could plant there that would grow well and tell you neat things you were expected to plant trees and bushes at your family plot. No one thought a thing about it. Nowadays, though, because okay, so when after the Great Depression, people had to move away to get jobs. Right. And so they weren't able to come back and clean and maintain that mm -hmm. like a yard. And so they ended up with these private cemeteries where it's basically like a lawn and they want to be able to mow over everything, even the graves. So they just have these yeah. flat markers. So they're not yeah, exciting. Yeah, I've seen that. They have all these signs, don't do this, don't do that. Yeah, like, yeah. and it, it, so it's a very different because they're looking at it differently. It's just it's a, yeah. a real big change. So it is a it is a little, I think it's a little sad. Well, no, yeah, the thing is that change. back then, the 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 um, those big, huge cemeteries were like parks. They were beautiful. Like they, they had all they, these... Uh, they like were. you could stroll and hang out, I guess, for lack of a yeah. better word. Oh, Marlene, they weren't just like parks. They actually were America's first public parks, were the cemeteries, believe it or not, because um, you lived in a city and you had your little house or cramped tenement or whatever, mm -hmm. and only the rich people had estates they could go to. So right. you, to get some nice fresh air and enjoy, you would go to these... Um, oh, this weekend, let's go out to this garden cemetery outside of town. And when you got there, it's so different than the day. There would be people having carriage races. You would stroll And it around. wasn't considered morbid either. It wasn't oh, like, no. oh, so where'd you go this week in the cemetery? It's like, it wasn't, I guess, looked upon as, no, oh, it, that's weird. It wasn't. People would be playing games. People would have their easels up and painting. It was very social. Like, it was just a different Yeah, and, it, and the best thing, thing is it was free. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's a, one I thing I heard, and and I don't know if you had heard of this, and I can't, I can't remember the exact name of the of the cemetery. I want to say it was in Chicago, where they had a beer hall close uh -huh. by. I want to say it was some type of German cemetery or something, oh. and they had a place where you could buy beer either there or right like like in other words, like part of what you said that. Oh, I love it! You could buy. You know, you were Stein. hanging out. Yeah. It was oh, like that oh. is so funny. I think that's great. No, that it I was heard very that. uh very festive. <laughs> I will tell you though, I have met a lot of people through my books and my YouTube channel that live mm -hmm. in Chicago. And I really Chicago, I've never been there. It really wasn't on my there, I knew there were some nice mm -hmm. cemeteries there, but since I've been doing videos and stuff, a lot of people from Chicago have like signed up to my newsletter and they send right. me photos. There are some amazing cemeteries in Chicago, and I need to go see them. And there's so much beautiful, old, but really gorgeous statuary and, and fans. Well, yeah, so that's the thing. Those, those, those old cemeteries are the best ones, like always, oh, yeah. because um, that's when, like, like, you know, like you said, that they would have these mausoleum and these beautiful memorials, and uh, they had those little benches, and they wanted people. It was very scenic, and you had the lakes mm -hmm. and... Uh, yeah. And nowadays, you tell most people, where are you going? Well, let's go have a picnic at the cemetery. And they'll be like, yeah, why, why, why do you want to do, you yeah. want to do that? I know. It's an ancient tradition. It's been going Let on. Let me tell you something. I love that time. story about that. that. And what other unusual? That one about that type, that one-legged type rope walkers. Mm -hmm. That's priceless, I'm telling you. I do and have a lot of cold cases in here. You I do? Let's hear some. Um, let's hear at least one. Okay, let's see. Um, which one to tell you? I'll tell you about Diamond Bessie. There is okay. a town in East Texas called Jefferson, Texas. Okay. It's a really gorgeous town. 
because, okay, when you go to a historic town, you know, mm -hmm. you'll see a historic building, but then you'll see a condo built in the 90s, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And then you'll see a historic building and then you'll see right. a strip yeah. mall. Jefferson is not like that. The whole downtown has okay. brick um, streets. It has uh, old buildings for uh, several blocks and a whole historic downtown area. And one of my favorite facts about, so you feel, you could really feel like you've stepped back in town. There's old hitching posts. Um, wow. for, uh, there's, there's so much history as you go around. And like Steven Spielberg was there in the seventies and he was scouting locations for a movie. Okay. And he had, I just got to mention this because I love this story. He stayed in a hotel there and he had such a scary ghost sighting that he actually leapt out of bed and grabbed all what happened was he was I'll, I'll get to the cold case in a second I gotta okay, share this. Okay. I love this story. so he you know they had been scouting locations because like what a magical little town it looks yeah. like everything looks like from the 1880s you can even okay. even have a general store there where they still give you coffee for a nickel and it's actually good coffee I'm kind of snobby so I'm like, well, <laughs> I, I want to drink it anyway but um but yeah, but so he was in this historic hotel, and this hotel okay. has been, it's like one of the oldest hotels, maybe the oldest, they argue about how old it is, no one even, it's so old they don't even know. Um, like Ulysses, Ulysses S. Grant uh, stayed there, when you walk in you can see his beautiful okay. penmanship, um, he, all these famous people have stayed there, like from the, Oscar Wilde I think stayed there. Um, so anyway, Steven Spielberg is staying there one night, and I won't name the hotel because they don't like being associated with ghosts. Oh, well. Oh, well. That's <laughs> but, um, okay. Too bad, but it's a really gorgeous hotel. You should stay there. Right. So he's there. He's had a long day. He comes back and he kind of throws his briefcase or bag or whatever he had onto a chair. Uh -huh. And it just bounces right back at him as if thrown. And he's like, well, that was weird. Maybe it just hit the pillow wrong. I don't know. He puts it on the floor. He's like, I don't care. He just shucks his clothes, gets into bed. He's just drifting off when he feels something touching his foot. And he, opens oh. his, he opens his eyes. And there's a little boy, Aww. a little boy standing there, and he's like, "Excuse me, sir, would you like, like some breakfast?" I think is what he said. He asked him if he would like something. Excuse me, sir. And that's when he's like, "Nope, nope, nope." And he just, <laughs> <laughs> it's he, time for me to go. <laughs> he grabs everything. He knocks on the doors of all his crew, and he goes, "We are going, buddy." And they go one town over to Marshall, Texas, and they spend the night. Here's the funny part. Here's the kicker. Yeah, let me tell you, he must have been scared. The next movie that he released was Poltergeist. I was about to say, was that before Poltergeist? It was. So you got to, and yeah, I have, I, I not, this is not just one of those urban legends. I did find him on record in a, magazines and newspaper uh -huh. article, articles saying that the Stanley Hotel and this other hotel in Jefferson are the two most, he's had haunted, he's had paranormal experiences so i thought that was really cool that so, i think is great because you know you never sometimes you wonder where do these guys get their inspiration from or where do they get these ideas and sometimes it is stuff like that yeah so so another thing that happened kind of around that hotel in the mm -hmm. late 1800s there was a guy uh he was in the rothschild family you know the fancy pants yes super rich rothschilds he showed up abraham rothschild was his name he showed up in town with this gal who, uh, you know, his, no one knew if they were married or what, but they, they made quite a sensation around town because she had diamond rings on, diamond ne necklace, and she was obviously, okay. you know, oh, you know, oh, I think I'll have that one, you know, really like showing up. I mean, yeah. Oh, they by were, the way, yes. yes. Oh, um, yeah, I mean, she was not trying to be low-key about it. So they, right. everybody, and this is a gossipy little town. They probably didn't have to do too much to draw attention. Oh, sure. But boy, did they have a lot of eyes on them. So the next, one day when they were there, they had been there one night, they were staying at that hotel, 
they went off to have a picnic, the two of them. People saw them. She was wearing some cute little outfit, and they just traipsed off all, by the bayou. This is kind of along the bayou. Well, uh -huh. only one person returned from that picnic. Oh. And it was Abraham Rothschild. And the next day, they, by the way, at, uh, at this hotel, they serve a really amazing breakfast. So he was down there. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> like, he, okay. He was having the breakfast. And whoever was serving him coffee noticed that on his finger, he was wearing oh. diamond ring. One of those diamond. They knew exactly what that particular diamond ring looked like. And they were like, that's weird. And he was leaving with her suitcase. He left town. He hopped a train. And he was leaving. They were like, right. that's really weird. No one knew what to think of uh -huh. it. A little time passes, and they find her in the woods. Food's all around them like a picnic. She's been shot in the head. Ooh. And it becomes a huge tabloid sensation I across bet. the nation because of his connection to the, the Rothschilds. He tries to kill himself a few days later unsuccessfully. I think he blows his ear off or part of his cheek or something. He doesn't succeed. <laughs> Okay. And he goes back and stands trial and is eventually acquitted. But what is interesting is that um, she is buried. She has a very unique grave. I don't know. Probably the, I don't think the photos. I do. I do have photos of every grave in here, but it, I don't yes. know how well well you can see them on here. I'm trying to find it. it she has a, a pretty nice little grave. I mean, this is you were talking about people kind of yes. taking pity. Oh, I got a really great story. I got to tell you. It's in the same town. They have a little bench and they have a. Um, a little bench and a little wrought iron thing for Diamond Bessie, and someone leaves flowers for her, um, just like and and uh, uh, continuously. They now, knew who she, did she? Did he say who she was or no? They never found out. I, you know what? I'm trying to think. Did they? Am I mixing her up with someone else? Her name was Bessie, but um, you know, I am not sure that they really ever her. They must have figured out. Now, you know, the details are a little fuzzy because I'm, I'm right. No, believe right me, now. I know what you but, mean. But uh, especially when I get really deep into one. But one thing I found really interesting is, you know, because everyone around town just calls her Diamond Bessie. And uh, right, right. And, they and, they and, get these uh, names. They, they do a reenactment of her murder trial every year. Uh huh. I have not been to it yet. But one of these years I want to go. I mean, it's like a big thing. They It was such a big thing. I find it fascinating that like it's such a so steeped in the local lore. Right. That like reenacting it. Um, yeah, but but oh my gosh, I got to tell you about this one other one there, too. This is my other. This is in Jefferson, Texas, which is just an okay. amazing town. You know how some towns just are like oh yes, absolutely. I know off what you the mean. charts with interesting history. So this one has one actually because people ask me sometimes like what's the weirdest grave you've ever seen? Mm -hmm. and I would say that this one qualifies. There there were these two guys around town in the eighteen hundreds, and I um, Jesse. Robinson and Bill Rose were their names. Okay. And they were, you know, I'll just call them Robinson and Rose for ease. Okay. And they were both known. The local paper actually put an article out saying that they were, quote unquote, dangerous and bad men, both drunk or sober. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> they both, one of them had actually served time for murder. The other one, I think, was rumored to have killed someone. One of them claimed to be a policeman. He did detective work for you. Oh, like you, yeah. you could hire him as personal muscle. Um, yeah. The other guy, one of them had a blacksmith shop. And so that's kind of, oh, right, seems like it. But, but he did not want to, as a result, these guys' reputations were so tarnished that right. It, the only people for them to be friends with were each other. <laughs> so That's they, pretty bad. So they ended up 
the, I call them frenemies because they ended up like, well, no one else in town will associate with us. So they would hang out with each other and like walk down the street. People are just going to be crossing the street to go the other way. I mean, they yes. were that, those kind of men. So one day one of them goes to the other. He's like, hey, dude, you want to go get a drink? <laughs> and uh, the other guy goes, no, I don't think so. I've decided alcohol doesn't bring out the best in me. And he's like, what? What do you mean? Are you trying to say blah, blah, blah? It's just, just from that. Okay. And people, people are always eavesdropping on these guys. You uh -huh. know what I mean? So they're like, "Oh, there they go again." Okay. It escalates. They shoot each other, and they both die, <laughs> right in the street. I mean, it's like in the store. I mean, there yeah, you so, go. Well, there but, you then, go. but here's the part I love. So, so creative. Those guys. I don't know who. This is what I've been trying to find out, and I have not been able to. I know a lot of historians, even in that town, and no one's really been able to ascertain this how this happened, but the townspeople um, buried them in the same plot. Can you imagine? And uh, they claim, <laughs> now I don't, I don't know if this part's true, but they say they chained their graves, to their caskets together. But okay. up on top, their grave itself, and if people want to see a better picture of it, they can go to my website. I do have an article okay. about this on 2 .com. I'll see if I can show you here. Um, it's, 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 it's a, it's a, Oh it's yeah, two, two two iron posts. They're they're black iron posts that um that look like wooden stakes, and they have ivy twining around them. And what I love is the symbology of ivy. It stands for friendship. I was gonna say somebody had a real sense of humor over there. Do what do you think? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. And then they have a chain connected these two posts so it's like friendship yeah. but connected by a chain i think this is the most creative grave it just shows like they, these two these two men in their their bad evil ways and are, they can end up killing each other it just shows they're connected to each other in life and in death and i'm like man great. oh man oh man so that's jefferson texas story. for you it is such uh yeah town. they um they uh sometimes the, the the i know that sometimes they would try to make statements about yeah. people, good or bad, by what they did with the graves, mm -hmm. you know, like um, I've seen some family stuff where if you were like a good member of the family or you did, you know, you did never did anything to cause uh, bring a, you know shame on the family, you, you know, you got the wife, the mother, this, and you were one of the black sheep. They kind of put like this little, you know, when they had those obelisks, they would just put yeah, this yeah. little plaque, but down there towards the bottom, so and so, you know. And maybe the year you were born and the year you died, that was it. It was like the the family's way of like, we're going to include you, but. Yeah, they, there is a lot of ways to snub people. I mean, people are, right. really, you know, people throw shade in so many varied ways and it doesn't stop at the cemetery. Like, well, even in uh, the Middle Ages in uh, Europe, people before that, the, people used to be buried in the churchyard itself. And okay. uh, there, was right. a real, there was a real pecking order. People wanted to be buried inside the church. And mm -hmm. the, the, the more prestigious it was, the closer you were to the altar, the better. Of course. So you would be buried under the altar or near the altar. Right, walk, right, right. Like usually if you were nobility, that's the, those are the ones that got in there, huh? Well, what I've heard is that, yeah, or you'd made a big old donation. Yeah, of course, of course. You, you know, you, you sucked up to the right person. Yeah, it's like, man, I'm getting old and yeah. I want the pearly gates to open up for me. Yeah, but the thing was that I've heard and I have not been able to substantiate this, but it's such a good story. I have to kind of pass it along. This may or may not be true, but I hope it is. And I maybe one day I'll be able to 
okay, this is true. But I heard that that's where the phrase stinking rich comes from because can you imagine <laughs> you can smell these people rotting under you and okay, they're the stinking rich. That is incredible. But, but the pecking order didn't end there. It was like, okay, if you were married, if you were um, buried, you know, like in the north or the south or the east oh, or the west, really? that, that all meant something too. The south was the worst. If you, a lot of times if you committed suicide, you weren't going to be able to be buried in there anyway. Oh no, I or, heard that, uh, that, that was like, uh, no. Or they might do something where rather than have you come through the gates, they might pass you over the wall. Maybe you tip, yeah. you know, you, you managed to convince them to bury you there. But yeah, you can, yeah. you can snub people, you know, people are, people I are heard people. that a lot of times. That, that, that's why families, I mean, besides the stigma, like suicides, was because sometimes they would have a hard time being able to bury the the person in the graveyard, you know, because they would say, no, that person can't be buried in the regular people's cemetery or in the graveyard, because if they committed suicide back then, it was like, no, they, we won't allow them in hallowed ground. So yes. that's why a lot of times they, um, you know, sometimes supposed suicides, they would, they would talk to who the coroner or whoever and say, Hey, say that the person died from a, whatever yeah some coded language for yeah it. right <laughs> or like uh they fell down and hit their head forget that part where there's a bullet hole going through the you know the temple kind of thing yeah they fell on a bullet <laughs> yeah they fell on a bullet because yeah the the you know there was this thing about um yeah that that even in even in the afterlife even in death you were the good people wanted to be buried with the moral you know the the, the pillars of society well, that's one thing I like because about these old cemeteries or one thing that cracks me up is a lot of the cemeteries around here, uh, they start off like there's one nearby me. It's Oakwood, which is kind of like uh -huh. the, John, the John Smith cemetery names. I, I mean, everyone can think of an Oakwood near them, but I'm talking about the one yeah. in Fort, Fort Worth. It started off as several different cemeteries. There was Oakwood Cemetery. You know, there was the the Calvary for the uh, Catholics. There was a, a Protestant section. There's Trinity. That's where the um right black people were buried and and they were all separate right but then as they kept burying people now it's just they ended up having to mix together yeah, I mean, they, you know, it's, all, it's all one big thing i just i'm like ha ha you know you're trying yes. to be so segregated right no they, they can't i remember that uh they did that there, there was one of the oldest cemeteries in miami same thing oh yeah so old that they you know they would they would bury people in certain sections or on the perimeter, you know, exactly like what you said. They had everything sectioned off. Yeah. Towards the end, it was forget it. It's not going to work. It's a <laughs> you know? free for all. <laughs> yeah. They, they, uh, and they found, you know, like, like everything else, a lot of those old graves, they discover them because sometimes originally what they had would be wooden markers on there. Oh yeah. And those don't it always hold up so great. Um, as a matter of fact, the only ones that I find that, uh, are older is if you were military, you know, they would give them the the better um, tombstones had you know, markers yeah. versus what the person or the family could sometimes afford. Those are the ones yeah. that I stand the time as far as um, when you go to some of these really old graveyards. I've seen the military ones, especially if they weren't buried. Because you know, you 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 could get buried, or they buried you with uh you know with your your name and of course you know what if, you know what division you served in and yeah. all that other. Usually those uh, those were well made. Those hold up, yeah. They're they're um, the the general type. There's the Civil War type, which was mm -hmm. used first, 
Uh, right. Th those were issued only for Union soldiers. So mm -hmm. if you fought for the yeah. Confederacy, you weren't going to get yeah. one. And then eventually they created one for Confederates. And that one, Confederate markers, you can tell at a glance because they're pointed on top. And, uh, and the, the joke about that is that's so no damn Yankees will sit on them. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That is, what a story! That, I was not about to ask you. I know there's got to be a reason for that. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know, but somewhere that's what I've been, I've heard. That's the yeah, little, that's the folklore about around that. Um, yeah, and then there's the one that we use today, which is called the general type, and it's still in use to type. Um, I mean, in use, and uh, they, anyone who has served can request that. I mean, you can have something else, but it does show that uh, you won't be there. You know, if you served in the military, you, you don't have to have an unmarked grave. Um, right. They and one thing they've really broadened their emblems of belief. So in the, mm -hmm. it used to be just uh, used to just be a, a star of David or or a, a Latin cross. cross. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now you can have everything from you can have yes. a hammer of Thor. Yeah. You, can, yeah. you can have an atheist thing. You can have yeah everything. And, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm tr I always try to find new ones. I haven't seen I haven't come close to seeing all of them. But I, I know they have the ones for pagan. I mean, these pentagram. Yeah. Or, they, they 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 they've like hey whatever your belief system is. We're is, good with it. I think that's great. It's a reminder yeah, that we course. are a diverse nation. I think that's pretty cool. No, well, I, what I tell, you know, um, because, you know, of course, the paranormal and things I say, you know, some of these people that were atheists that don't believe in the afterlife. Can you imagine? Yeah. Here you are. And it's like, man, wait a minute. <laughs> I thought this wasn't going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was that, that. That was it. I mean, you know, once you were pushing up daisies, that was the end of that. Yeah. It could be quite and it's a like, surprise. surprise. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Anyway, oh, Queen, yeah. it has been so great to talk to you and I'm going to have a link to your website on the credits of the show, but for the podcast listeners, what is the website where they can oh. go to? Oh yeah. They should go to tuisnider.com, just my name.com. And if you're there, I invite you to sign up for my newsletter. I have, a, if you're interested in, in all, yes. all the different stuff I do, I send it every Sunday and I share, I don't, you know, I share what I'm up to, but if I find some other cool thing going on, I like to share it. Uh, I, you know, I'm not, okay. I, I promote other people as well on that, but you know, it is primarily my thing. So, but go there. If you go there to my website, you can get a free um, guide. When you sign up for my newsletter, you'll get a little okay. free guide to the meaning of hands. And I like to say that's a really great way to start learning about cemetery symbols because, hey, we all know what a hand looks like. You know, sure. it's hard. Some symbols can start to get a little obscure at first glance. So mm -hmm. if you want, if you think this is something you might be interested in, and this is, that's how I got my husband interested in cemetery symbols was I started pointing out all the different things that hands can mean. They can mean sudden death. They can mean marriage. Wow, that is they incredible. They can mean martyrdom. So, so enjoy that. I, I just made a little fun thing. Um, and the other thing I would say is come by my YouTube channel. I'm having so much yes. fun there. I do a show called Tombstone Tuesdays. Yes. Uh, and uh, it's every Tuesday, as you can imagine. And it's okay. fun because it's a live streaming show. People, if you show up while it's going, you can ask questions. It's I was going to say they can ask questions, right? About. Oh, I. Um... Uh, uh huh. And you know what's fun is sometimes I don't know the answer, and when that happens, I'm like, well, I've got homework for this week. But you know, but but our guests, I interview different guests every week. I had Lauren Rhodes this week, and I've had, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I just it's been a great excuse for me to contact a lot of authors and have them on. Let me tell you something. So, I, I, I've worked with uh, Find a Grave. You know, I don't know if you're familiar oh, I with love that. Find, oh yeah. I've been with Find a Grave for years, and I, you know, I always get especially down when I was in I, uh, Miami, you know, requests, you know how they, people put in photo yes. requests, uh -huh. 
but sometimes some of these things to find them it's like wow oh it's, it's hard. really difficult but yeah i've i've done I, I still do a lot of work with them as far as updating um you know uh, connecting uh family members and oh, things like great. that that are disconnected but yeah i can see where there's a a, a lot of interest and in, in even people that are doing the research on their genealogy yeah oh you yeah they go this is part of what they sometimes that they ask for uh the, their research takes them into cemeteries yeah trying to find uh that lost relative or the person that went out west or one of those deals i know whenever i give a talk at a genealogical society i mm -hmm. always know these people get me i mean it's <laughs> yes. because other places if i'm just speaking at a library or just a conference or something yes i, I can tell the room's kind of like why does this lady talk about cemeteries so much in the yeah. genealogy thing? They're like, yeah, yes. oh, let me tell you about this cemetery. Here's one. Have you seen this one? And I'm like, oh, yes. okay. This is great. People I get realize me. that sometimes this is really where you basically run to some of these people, um, run them to ground because back then, you know, I'm talking a few years back, uh, maybe the census, if you were lucky. Mm -hmm. uh, but outside of that, there was people, it's not the, the, the continual documentation that we have now. Yeah about find where you were living, <laughs> who you married, uh, you know, vital statistics. There was a time where about the only time was if, you know, you came up in the census mm -hmm. and you have to know what you're looking for. And perhaps when you died that, uh, you know, that you were, uh, and of course there's a lot of people that also do the photography for the cemeteries and they enter information in there. Oh, it's and a tremendous, I love it. It's a great resource. Yes, absolutely. Anyway, it has been so, I love, I love your story. I can't get over that story about the one legged. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. just that, that tickles my funny bone in such a way because oh, to me it's like. Of, I, I've had people tell me, reviewers tell me that like, okay, this book's about cemeteries, but like I was laughing out loud quite a lot. Yeah, and I'm like, exactly. yeah, exactly. I look for the weird, I'm just not, I'm, I look for the weird and funny just stories. I just think because to me it's it's i i know it kind of is tragic because obviously this person died but the well, ingenuity you know where he you know he's the gymnast goes off to war loses a leg comes back and still kind of using his what his way is good at until finally he just and of course this was a time for safety and before safety nets and that i would that. have loved to have met him i mean what a character. i bet i have a few people in here around like i wish i could meet this person they're just I know, so cool i know <laughs> Again, Twee, thank you so much. It has been absolutely wonderful, and I want to wish you the best of luck. On, uh, by the way, are do you, are you planning any new books now for this year or the next? I've got a few on the pipeline. As well. yes, I know what that's well, like. One of them that I'm working on is actually a, quite different. It's a dementia caregivers memoir because I took okay. care of my father a lot, but it's funny because mm -hmm. there were so many funny things that happened. So uh, yes, one, yes, that's one of them. I've got one about the 1897 airship mysteries because people were seeing UFOs in 1897 and I did tons of research. I even spoke at the International UFO Congress about it. It is really bizarre story. So there's are a couple and I'm oh, oh that's great. I got other some other cemetery ones and so forth. So yeah, just I you know how it is you're writing tons too. But anyway, I, you're gonna you're gonna be posting them on your website as you're when they're up for uh, when they're completed, right? Yeah, you can or you could just follow me on Amazon or or excellent. my or my newsletter. That's a good way to keep up with me. Excellent. Excellent. Again, darling, take care. And it's been wonderful to speak to you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Bye bye. Bye. Wow. Yeah. Wow.
it's been great to speak to Tui because she, I'm telling you, I could talk to her for so long. She's great. She's fantastic. Um, those stories, um, it, it, to me, obviously the best is that this is a real story about, uh, you know, um, how can I say it? And I guess part of what I admire besides obviously that it's funny and it kind of sad in a way is that people didn't feel sorry for themselves. You know, people did what you needed to do to survive, to keep going, to, to make money. There was no, um, you know, and God knows, you know, having gone to war and lost a leg, this person had plenty of reason to um, say Donna's luck, but you know, uh, this didn't stop him. And, and you hear a lot of similar stories to things like this, where uh, people, the, the mindset that people had during um, prior years, I wanna say maybe till about, maybe the last before 40 years, I wanna say, um, the pe people were not uh when they didn't want to be a victim or if they were they were temporarily but it was like they didn't want to be thought of in that way and or if they needed to make a living uh, to feed their families or themselves they would figure out what do i need to do so that i can do it and um, in other words, people learned how to take care of themselves, take care of themselves, take care of their families. Sometimes it ended well, other times it didn't. Uh, there's a lot of people that developed new skills because they just didn't have a choice. They just didn't have a choice. And obviously while well, this guy was doing, he was a salesman and a tightrope walker. That's incredible. Uh, and the thing that she actually found out who he was. And, and again, we come back to um that you know a lot of people will say well it's good that now you can document and you know who's who and everything and um like i said back, back then you could uh and this is no exaggeration you could move to the next town over you didn't even have to leave the state and you could almost start a new life you know yeah sometimes you would be found out but you could become a different person uh and unless you were running from the law you know, in other words, that you had somebody coming looking for you, um, you probably could even carry that off for years and years. And I mean, in some of the research, just like what she was describing, you come across these stories of bigamists uh, who basically left families and for years and had double families, sometimes three families. They would, you know, in other words, they did not go through the um, through that divorce, remarry kind of deal, and well. Case in point, that story that I said about that murder uh, that, you know, that Jane Doe in San Bernardino, who this lady with seven children runs off, meets somebody, and within days they run off to Arizona, get married, and come back, and she sets up shop. She, she sets up a house with this new husband who's unaware that she's technically married and has children. And by the way, one part that I didn't say, which is going to be in my book, The Film Noir Murders, book two, is that, of course, her husband, her real first husband, gets a divorce from her. And they grant it because, remember, this was the times that you had to petition the courts for a divorce. In other words, you had to get a reason why you wanted a divorce. Absolutely, he gets that divorce right quick. 
and he wants custody of the children. It never goes on into what happened with the custody of the children, but he's given immediate like, and within a month after that, her new or second husband or would-be husband, he files for divorce too. <laughs> so this lady, which by the way, she had also changed her name when she had gone off and married the second guy or pretend to marry him. She had also assumed a different name. This is my point is that she became a different person. She became a motherless woman. I mean, not motherless, but childless woman with um, no ties and a different name. And well, anyway, everybody divorced her. And I don't know with her children, her parents, I'm sure that at some point, in reality, you think about it, your parents are your parents. And as considering that they thought at some point that she was dead. And uh, they asked her what, what reason had she given for doing this? And she said she was really upset that her husband drank so much. He was like 15 years older than her. And she was in her mid thirties. Um, she already had seven children and he was like, he was like in his fifties and I mean, who knows what went on there, but uh, there was none of this, uh, well, uh, let's go to court and we'll get a divorce and you're going to pay child support and blah, 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 blah. No, no, no. She just like lit out. She, apparently she was having these little romances on and off and she was like, this is not cutting it. Uh, and she left and she married someone. and you try that now. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Uh, so, I mean, I want to say for lack of a better word, and I don't want to say to use the word charm, but there is an attraction to, um, the, being able when we weren't so micro ID'd as we are now uh, over, in my opinion, overdone, uh, where, I mean, nothing, everything is like noted kind of deal. Um, and back then it wasn't, and I mean, and sometimes I'll be perfectly honest with you. Um, it worked to the detriment. Like I said, uh, murderers got away with murder. Uh, people were killed and nobody ever even knew who they were. Uh, I mean, there was, there, there was a flip side to that anonymity that left a lot of mysteries behind, but same time, uh, life, life must've been very interesting you know, back then where you, if you were re ready to do that, like I said, and you weren't being pursued by the law, you could basically uh, disappear and become somebody else. Anyway, guys, I hope you like the show. Um, I love speaking to Tui. She was so informative. I urge you to go to her website, look at her books. Um, she, I mean, I've spoken to her. There's so many things that you would think, well, how much, how much can you get out of going to cemetery? It's incredible. All the stories, the symbolism, especially some of these older places where they just had certain things that unless you know what you're looking at, you're missing, you're missing the whole message. Uh, and uh, again, I'll have a link to her website. Uh, please uh, subscribe and like, uh, you know, our show here on whether if, if you're looking at us on YouTube or any of the podcast platforms so that you get informed when we're releasing a show. Uh, Again, if you've got a true story, go to MiamiCoastChronicles.com, go to submit your story, and you can submit it that way or email me at Marlene at MiamiCoastChronicles.com. I'm working, like I said, on another film noir murder number two. And it's, uh, let me tell you something. The more research you do, getting back to what we were saying, uh, those good old days, you know, that patina of like uh, the golden memories where things were simpler. Let me tell you something, there was a lot of unusual, weird, and sometimes sinister and disturbing things going on. 
But anyway, guys, again, take care and thank you so much for being part of my audience. See you back here next week.